We've got a kindergartner through fifth grader. They can go. I'm sure they're already scrambling and running, especially after last week. I'm just playing. Um, man, April, thank you. That was, that was incredible. Y'all sounded absolutely incredible. So, yeah. Um, and Jennifer and the rest of the band. And it's just, you know, it's... It, um, April, thank you for stepping out. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but I appreciate you serving and, and jumping up on stage. And, and uh, you know, as we, as we finish up Romans chapter 16, this is, um, well, as we finish up Romans in chapter 16, um, you know, this week, he, the beginning part of that, he just goes, thanks to this person, and thanks to this person, and this person, and this person. And he just lists out all these people that he served alongside. And it's just a, it, it, if you don't really dig in, it's just kind of an ordinary, boring, like, I don't, why is Paul telling us who he's thanking? Like, it just seems kind of weird. Um, but thank all of you. I mean, like, this, we, we do this together, right? Like, this is clearly um, a bunch of flawed and sinful people gathering together to celebrate our Lord. And, um, man. I, I love it, so um, anyway, so thank you. I, I'm still, like, that last song was really, was really, <laughs> you guys are really loud. It's nice sitting up front, because I get to, I, I turn my head a little bit, and it's like a little bit on the left ear, a little bit on the right ear, and it's like, wow, like, this sounds really good, and you guys drown out my own voice, so that's good. Um, well, I'm Jonathan, I'm one of the pastors here, so uh, I know we've got a, a lot of new faces, so um, thanks for, thanks for coming, and I pray that uh, this morning, you will be able to worship God in, in, um, in a real, authentic, you know, I know it's always weird going to a new place, and it's like the lighting and the music is different. I've never heard that song before, and, and you know, whatever. Um, uh, so, yeah. My daughter's on her third church up in Boston, so. We'll get there. Hang on. <laughs> uh, um, she just moved up there for college, so she's just, you know, doing the church search thing, which my heart pours out to anybody that's in the midst of that because it's it's tough. And Wilson and I have had to do that, you know, in military moves time and time again. I've talked to you guys about it. You know, it, I I wish it on nobody, uh, but it's probably one of the most significant pursuits that we ought to pursue when we, when we do stuff. So, so to the new faces, I'm glad you're here. I, I hope this is, I, I hope that uh, you have an opportunity to, um, to worship God uh, here this morning. Um, like I said, we are, we are finishing up uh, Romans um, today, which is, which is awesome. We started this on the 26th of February, and so here we are, right? Uh, we made it, and uh, you know, it's this last um, message, Paul's concluding remarks in Romans 16 is um, unfortunately not just like, go get them, tiger. Um, it's heads up, watch out. Um, and I think, I think for us, I start off the sermon crying, I can't keep doing this or we're never going to get through it, but um, I think for us, I, I mean, I'm just going to... I'm just going to call it, I don't think we're, we're really watching out. 
I think just in general, I think we're just doing the Christian thing and we're just, we're reading our Bibles, we're praying a little bit, we're doing, you know, we're trying to make good decisions that we think God would approve of and, and we're living life. And, and what Paul says at the end of this is, watch out. Um, and so he takes this into a, a whole different light of, of sober reality of what is transpiring. Um, and I don't want this, don't, don't you know, this isn't... Um, it's always tough, right? Because it's like, you don't want to be like the crazy person that's like, you know, the devil's lurking around every corner and, and Satan's, you know, like, you know, you, you see Satan in everything. Um, but on the other hand, it's very clear, scripture is very clear that there's a spiritual war going on. And, and you being here um, as a follower of Christ have picked a side. You're on a side. Now, you can pretend like you're not, and we're going to see today that that's who Paul is talking to. He goes, watch out. He says it's the naive, the naive that are at risk. And so we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Let me first start by praying. Father, we thank you for this time. We pray that this would be an opportunity to read your word, that, that it would speak to us in a way that would convict us through the workings of your Holy Spirit, that you would guide us, that you would cause us to remember all that Jesus said and help us to take comfort in knowing that you are for us, that you love us, that you sent your Son to rescue us. We pray, Father, that we would worship you in the midst of these words, that they wouldn't just come into our brains, but that they would dwell in our hearts. And that you alone will be glorified this morning. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So he starts off and he says, watch out. Watch out. In, in, in my profession, we would, and not to be super uh, lame, but we would say check six, right? Like, like watch out. Keep your head on a swivel. Look at what's going on around you. Don't, don't be just skipping through life thinking that nothing's going to happen, and that there isn't somebody that is trying to attack you, and that there is somebody that is trying to protect you. Let me, let me rephrase that last statement, that there is somebody that is protecting you, and there is somebody that is trying to attack you. So look at, we're in Romans chapter uh, 16, verse 17 is where we're picking up. The verses will be on the screen. I'll be reading from the ESV. Um, open up your Bibles. There's going to be some stuff for us to underline and circle, and it's okay if you write in your Bibles. If you need a Bible, there's a bunch sitting out there. They're really small font, so you might be better off on your, on your phone. Um, Romans 16, 17. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. Now, he just came off of this whole list of people that he loved working with, that he served alongside. And in fact, if you look at the end of that thing, he's writing this letter to, the, to Rome, right? He'd never been to the church in Rome. And he's writing about all these people that somehow were making their way there or he knew them. And it, it's almost like a, uh, a resume of sorts. It's a letter of recommendation from Paul. And he goes, hey, if, when this person shows up with I don't know if your small group enjoyed reading those, those names, but ours got a kick out of it. 
right, as you're trying to just pronounce each one, right? But like, when the guy shows up or the girl shows up and they say, hey, I'm so-and-so, they're probably like, you're approved. No, like, like, they're like, oh, you know Paul, right? And they, and they would say, like, yeah, I know Paul. And they, and they would be like, yeah, he wrote about you in the letter. Like, you, you served with Paul. Tell us about it, right? It would be an immediate, like, trust them. Like, they're good. They're, they've been serving the Lord. They've been working alongside Paul. And that's the fellowship that we have, right? That's, that's the bond. That's, that's what undergirds Paul's description of them, not just that they were just people, but that they were people that he served, sacrificed, suffered to build God's kingdom alongside. And the same is true of us all. Right? We, should, we should look around here and, and as we're laboring together in the most menial of things, right? Um, you know, Zach put in a ton of time getting our getting our music. All right, I think our lightning is done. I think we're right, I think we're we're done. And and Zach's put a ton of time into that. Coming in here during the week and you know sacrificing time with his family. He, he does, you know, you, I don't even know where you're at, but you, you know he's probably not happy that I'm saying this. But like, but like those are the things where it's like it's the labor, it's the it's the sacrifice that we did together, right? And that's what Paul's pointing to here. So he goes, these are the people. To trust, then he goes, but these are the people that you don't trust. Watch out for these people. And how, what does he describe them as? They cause divisions and they create obstacles. Okay, now we got to be careful, okay? Because he's not going back to chapter 15, 14 and 15, where he talked about believers, the strong in faith and the weak in faith. Remember when we were talking about that? And we're like, yeah, there's, you know, we don't want to create obstacles for each other and, and we want to do this in love. That is not who Paul is talking about here, and I'll prove it to you in the next verse. This is not it. And see, here's the problem. In the church, we tend to jump into this us versus them mentality. And this is not what Paul is trying to do here. He's not trying to say, watch out for everybody that doesn't go to church. Don't trust them. He's not saying, right, that... that this is the people, right? And, you know, like, don't try, you know, you keep everybody at arm's length until they come to church or until you know they go to church. Then you might be able to trust them. It's not what he's saying. He's not saying that everybody that's outside of these walls that's not going to church is evil, is deceitful. He's not, they're not creating obstacles. They're not creating divisions. There are some who are. That's not what he's saying. So don't, so don't take this into like these two groups. I think this is a very dangerous place where we do this because here's the problem. You were there. <laughs> you were there at some point in time. And so how, how do we expect to do the Great Commission and go and make disciples of all nations, right? If, we're not, if we don't trust anybody that's not already inside the group. Thank God it's not like that, right? We have been sought after the gospel has come into our lives. We have believed and trusted in Christ. Well, so too do we assume that that can happen to anybody, anybody in your circles by the power and grace of God. What Paul is talking about here are those people that are intentionally seeking the demise of the church. Look at what it says in verse, um, oh, sorry. My next bullet point was we have enemies. 
I need to, I need to practice that a little bit. Uh, verse 18, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. It's not talking about food appetites. They're, they're self-serving. They're, they're intentionally deceiving the church. They're enemies. You guys racking your brains right now going like, hey, who, who are these people? <laughs> you got to watch out for them. We gotta, Paul says that we should avoid them. Well, then let's just, let's just make sure we mark them and we'll figure out who we don't let inside these doors. Is that what he's trying to get at? No, not at all. He's trying to give us a, a, a sober reality of what is happening spiritually in creation. That frankly, we just go skipping along in life, not really realizing or thinking about what's, what's going on. We're just, we're just turning the dirt over. We're just making some money, spending some money, doing some things, making some babies that make some babies. Just, we're, just, we're just doing things, living life, bouncing from one thing to another. And what Paul's going is like, do you realize that there's something going on here? I know it gets uncomfortable, but look at what he says. He says, with smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. This is intentional. This is not somebody who disagrees with you on a, on a gray area or an open-handed thing of some, you know, kind of peripheral doctrine like we've talked about in the past, right? This isn't like, hey, you know, don't drink alcohol around somebody who's struggling with alcohol because then you're, you're creating an obstacle for them. Like, it's, not, it's not gracious. It's not loving. That's not how we should live inside of the church. Or, and, and you could take that into all sorts of different things, right? Um, that's not what he's talking about. These people are like, I'm going to put an obstacle in front of that person, Right? I'm going to try to make them fall. Like, I don't know. I'd love to hear. Like, maybe I don't want to hear, but maybe, maybe you have people like that in your life. I don't. I, don't, I can't point to anybody in my life that I'm like, that person is 100% against me. Honestly, I think that that's, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe you do. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. Paul dips into this a little bit more and provides a little bit more clarity as to what this looks like. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Did I just transport you into some sort of sci-fi movie? I think that's how we... I don't know. I can't explain it. This seems so foreign to what we experience. Because I think our heads are down. I think we're just watching our feet. We're just, we're just going through life. And this whole thing is swirling around us. And it's not until you, 
You start stepping out in, in different places of faith in your life that, frankly, that the enemy seems to attack more. Uh, maybe you can talk, maybe, maybe you've experienced that, right? When you, when you start to actually like do something, you're like, I think this is what God wants me to do. And then it's like, bam, bam, bam. You're like, man, what's going on? I thought this is what God wanted me to do. What's happening? Now, it's all under God's sovereignty, right? We talked about this through Romans 9 through 11, right? Like, like God's not, un, like, he knows what's happening, and he wins, and we'll get to that at the end of this. But it's a very real thing. And so we have to look through this and go, what is going on here? When, when we read Ephesians and we talk about the schemes of the devil, there are schemes. He's got plans. I'm not trying to scare you, okay? Trying to give us a, a sober reality of what Scripture teaches. And so we look at this, and, and what does it say? That we are not fighting against flesh and blood. That means that the person that walks in that door that doesn't know Christ is not our enemy, right? That means you're not going to find people, probably, that you can mark and say, that's the person I'm avoiding. Maybe. Instead, what Paul is trying to say is like, there's some real stuff going on, and, and these people are pawns in a scheme. They're pawns in the devil's arsenal to tempt us, distract us, deceive us, create divisions, and create obstacles. So what do we do? What do we do with this? How do we, how do we handle this? Do we, do, we, do we put together a team that's going to help us find these people? <laughs> Please no. Look at what it says. Um, again, in verse 18. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetite, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Smooth talk, flattery. Underline this. <laughs> you see, what Paul's saying, like, we can sit here and we can say, who's the threat? Let's just figure out who the threat is. That's one way, right, from like a military standpoint, right? You have to know what your threat is, and you're like, and then what do you do? You build up your defenses against that threat, right? Like, that's what you would do from if, you, if you were like military folk in here or whatever, right? Okay, sorry, this is how I think, I'm sorry, right? So you build up these defenses. Well, what, what, what seems to be illuminated in Scripture here is a focus not on finding out who the threat is, recognizing that there is a threat, but then building up your defenses. And what does he say? What's your weakness? What's your weak point? Your pride. Our pride. Our pride is our weakness. Because what... What is, what's the scheme? A little smooth talk. A little flattery. We like it. We like being told that we look good. We like being told that we're doing good. We like being told, affirmed. It's a drug. We crave it. Man, you're such a good parent. You're so good at your job. 
Your kids are so good at those sports. And we, and we, it's not like these things are wrong, and I'm not trying to say don't compliment each other. That's okay. But it's when we take these things and it creates a self-consumption, a self-interest, where we start to crave that flattery. That's what he says is our weakness. We seek that. We stop serving God and we start serving so that we could get that. It's a danger of being up here, you guys, frankly. It's hard. Because, I, I mean, I appreciate the compliments. I appreciate when you're like, man, that sermon was great. I'm like, cool. Thanks. I have to, I mean, it, it's, pray for me in that. Because it's very hard for me to keep going like, no, this is, this is God that does this, right? Like, I put in my labor and I put in my time. You guys put in your labor and you put in your time and in all the different functions here in the church. And, and we all come together and we're like, yes, it's, it's God. This is for God's glory. But this is a reminder. Like, we got to recognize that our pride is the weak point. This is where God attacks us. And this doesn't mean that you got to be really good at anything, right? Like, like we, pride takes so many different forms. So don't think you got to be like, uber successful in something, and then that's, those are the people that struggle with pride. No, no, actually quite the opposite too, right? Those who are struggling with things that, that are, have this, you know, everything's against you and you're, and you're always struggling with, with different facets of things, there can be pride in that as well. So don't think, I mean, this is what he says, it's smooth talk and flattery. Oh, man, yeah, I struggle with that too. You, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Is it okay? I mean, it's not okay. I'll struggle with you and alongside you, and like we'll, we'll, we'll seek that God's power will help conquer this with us together, but I'm not going to settle for it, and I don't want you to settle for it. And what does it say it does? It deceives our hearts. We're deceived by this. You guys, and this, and here, I'm just going to turn over there. Go to Proverbs chapter 26. This is, so good. I love when some cross-references are like, oh, it's like God did this on purpose. Go to, go to Proverbs 26, verse 23. Listen to how it's describing the antagonists of life. Proverbs 26, 23. Like the glaze covering an earthen vessel our fervent lips with an evil heart. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. And the seven is just trying to say like complete, like total. Though his hatred be covered with deception, Read this last one. His wickedness will be exposed. How? In the assembly. Here, together. Like, in community. That, that's, that's, where, that's where it becomes apparent, right? What, what's our motivation for the things that we're doing? Are we seeking to build God kingdom, God's kingdom and glorify him, or are we seeking our own glory? You guys, that's not, a, that's not an easy thing to hide. It's really not, and especially in the assembly. Like, right, when you're serving alongside somebody, 
You're like, man, it kind of seems like they're, they're, they're searching for the flattery. They're searching for the accolades. I, I, I'll tell you, I, I've never encountered that with any of you, and I, and I hope and pray that I, I don't, and I, I hope you guys don't get that from me, but like, this is where we need to call each other out on it because it's in the assembly when it's like, what, what did you, right? Like, sometimes you'll hear somebody say something, and you're just like, oh, that sounded a little, sounded like something just popped up out of your heart <laughs> that you didn't intend to go past those flattering lips. Sometimes that happens, right? And so we need to take those things captive. This is why Paul describes our minds as being renewed, right? That, that we transform our minds. And we start thinking and having the same thought process as Christ and humble servanthood. This is why in, in Romans 12, 1, what did we read? He says, offer your lives as living sacrifices. And that's what he's talked about in Romans 12, 13, 14, 15, and now 16. Like, like our lives are for God's kingdom. That's it. It's not for anything else. Your life is not for anything else. It's not. It's not to get married. It's not to have kids. It's not to have a successful job. That has nothing to do with why God created you. And we're going to see this. I, I, I'm really excited because next week we start our series on the Torah. And we're going to spend seven weeks going through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And you might just sound, you might go like, I don't know, I've never heard somebody be excited about that. But it's going to be awesome. Because what we're going to see is why God created us and him wanting to be like us to be with him in his presence. And God doing these things to make that happen. And it's, and it's through Jesus Christ that he actually ends up making it happen. But the whole time he's talking about how this is going to work. It's not as if he's like plan A, plan B, plan C. Like, that's not it at all. And so it's this beautiful picture of God going like, how am I going to rescue these people? He doesn't say how. He doesn't ask a question because he knows. I just, that's just what came out of my mouth. So don't question my theology there. Right? Like, like he, he, he's rescuing us. And so we're about his business or we enjoy the flattery and the smooth talk, and we're about our business. That's it. Those are the two. And so what, he's, what Paul is saying here is not, hey, go try to find out who these people are. He goes, hey, just, just real quick, you understand your weak point. You understand where the, the hole in the castle wall is here. Your pride. Your pride. And then notice what he says. He says, it's the naive that are at risk. Who are the naive? The naive are not the strong in faith or the weak in faith. The naive are not those who struggle with sin and those who don't. Who are the naive? Those who don't think this is happening. You go, there's no way. Who in disbelief go, yeah, I've heard that whole cosmic spiritual forces thing. I've seen those movies too. Don't be naive. That's of us. That's who's most likely to be deceived. This is what he says. Turn back over to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. 
Listen, listen to how God intends for this to be curbed. It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Like that's our goal. That's it. Right? To equip the saints for ministry. So, so like for some, it's equipping the saints. But what do the saints do? Ministry. That's it. And when you can go back to my sermon on that one, right? Like, we're all in the ministry. If you're a follower of Christ, you're in the ministry. If you're a follower of Christ, you preach the gospel. You proclaim the gospel, probably better than I do, in the relationships that you have. We are all in the ministry, and, and we're here to help equip. The other pastors are here to help equip. Your small group leaders are here to help equip. And how do you get be equipped? You go through all these things, right? M- to mature uh, stature, the fullness of Christ. And this is so that, in verse 14, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in what? Deceitful schemes. You see, this is why we gather. This is why we read God's word. This is why we study together. This is why we fellowship together. It's not just a party in a club just to hang out because I got nothing else to do in our, in our days. Right? You guys, you guys have other things you could be doing? <laughs> Most certainly. No, what is it? It's that there is a battle going on that is a spiritual battle that you have no weapon in your house. You have no weapon other than Christ and his word. You with me? And so it's the naive, right, that go, oh, that's not happening. What weapon are you wielding? Are you prepared? Are you thinking about these things? You see, because the naive aren't concerned about the flattery and the smooth talk. Well, I can I can handle that. I'll I'll take a little bit of that. I'll take a little bit of that, but I'll, I'll still I'll still serve God. But I'll, you know I'll take the accolades. I'll take the self interest. I'll, I'll be consumed and distracted and deceived in my life, and then I'll I'll just do a little serving God on the side too, and that'll appease Him. I'll get my stuff, and and we're all good. You wouldn't go into the enemy's camp, would you? Spend the night there, go have dinner? No. Go back to Romans 16, 19. And then listen to what Paul says here. He says, for your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you but I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. What does that sound like? Genesis? Right? What, did the ser- what was the serpent's temptation, right? To eat? Oh, no, no. You, you totally misunderstood. God, he just doesn't want you to know what he knows. And what does Paul say here? No, no, no. We want to be innocent as to what is evil. I mean, I mean like, like we don't even want to associate with it. We don't want to be tip, dipping our toes in that pool of water. Like, that's not, it's dangerous. 
And we should see it as dangerous. We should be teaching our kids that it's dangerous. Because there's really big spiritual things going on. And you have an adversary. And who does he attack? The people that don't think there's anything going on. And he says, verse 20, the God of peace will soon, what? Crush Satan under your feet. What does that remind you of? That's Genesis 3.15, right? I don't think I have the slide up there. I know I don't, but I'm going to read it anyway here. You guys remember this, right? Like this is, this is after Satan tempts Eve. No, Adam and Eve both fall. And, and God levies out this like, hey, here's what the consequences are of this. Like this is, here's the punishment. Here's what's going to happen. But in the midst of him talking to the serpent and telling him like, man, you're going to be on your belly and, and all of this. At the end of that in verse 15, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Other translations have crushed there. What's Paul saying? Who does he say is going to crush Satan? Our feet. Our feet. We're, we're with Christ. We're united with Christ. It's not really us doing it, but in our daily opportunities, we crush Satan. We crush his deceptions. We're able to stand. How? Because you're strong. Because you've got all these great you got a set of guns in the back of your house. You got knives. Like, what are you going to do? You're strong. You lift weights. What does any of that do? It does that much for the real warfare that we're trying, that we're fighting in. What does he say? Put on the armor of God. The sword of the Spirit, his word, fellowship, knowledge, truth. Right? Like, like these are the things that we should be arming ourselves with. So we should be diving into scripture so that we can what? Be renewed in our mind, that we can be trusting in Christ, that we can be equipped and not deceived. I don't think I tied that up entirely. So it's 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 Jesus came, right, to crush Satan. And he has, he did it, he did it on the cross, right? And he, he took your sins and he absorbed the wrath of God on your behalf. And in that, he gave you what? His righteousness. And this is what Paul's been talking about throughout all of Romans, right? And so we get this righteousness, not that we earned, but a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. And so from a, in a very legal description, Paul says that we are justified. We're just. Before God, we're just. And so in this, Christ has crushed Satan. There's nothing Satan can do. Nothing he can do to you if you're a follower of Christ. He cannot steal you away from the Father's grasp. So you don't need to be doing this and thinking like, I gotta be worried, right? I could walk out of here and bam, smooth talk, flattery, naive, deceit, done. I'm gone. That's not the point of it point of this is what's the motivation in your life what are you doing what are we doing because do we want to participate in satan's defeat and celebrate victoriously with christ yeah we do 
Do you have the opportunity to do that in your daily walk? You do. You do. That's the power of the Holy Spirit that convicts us and reminds us of what Christ said and encourages us. That's our counselor. This is, this is like, it's such a beautiful gift that God has done for us on our behalf to rescue, <clears throat> my, my voice just stopped, to rescue us. Like that's it. He made Satan powerless. But Satan is not powerless against those who don't believe he exists. He's extremely powerful against the naive and the distracted and the diluted. This is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to be with you. Verse 21 says, Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason and so Sopater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Don't let that dissuade you from anything, right? He's, he's Paul's amnesis. I think that's how you say the word. He's a scribe for Paul, so he's the one writing. Paul's talking. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Quartus greet you. Verse 24. Anybody have verse 24? Don't let, don't let that concern you, but if you want to stick around for the equipped discipleship group this afternoon, we're going through the Bible and how we, it's reliable and trustworthy and the manuscript evidence that we have for, for these things, but Romans 16.24 says Romans 16.20. says the same thing uh, at the end there, um, the God of peace, or sorry, um, the second part of verse 20, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all is what 1624 says. So if that, if that creates a little, if you're like, I don't like that, I've never heard somebody say that, I don't know what's going on, I thought this thing was like, I thought God started at the beginning and just wrote through it, and like this English version is exactly what God wanted. I would love to pour into you some, some, some understanding of the manuscripts, understanding of how we got the Bible that we have, and that it's trustworthy. Okay, uh, I, won't, I won't spend any more time on that because I, I can't up here right now, but you can go Google it and see all sorts of different things. In fact, there's, there's even some manuscripts that don't even have Romans chapter 16 that they end at the end of chapter 15. Um, so just, there's a reason why you have this here. I've, anyway, please, if that bothers you, please, seriously, don't let that just sit, okay? Because I remember being in college and hearing the first time you know, something about, like, text criticism like that, and I just went, my, my, the, whole, my whole, the whole house of cards came falling down around me. And I was like, what am I holding in my hand, okay? And I'm not saying this to be uh, flippant or to pass by it, but there's some really good um, educational study that you can do to go, that totally makes sense. And we have food, and you're welcome to stay if you'd like this afternoon. <laughs> just a... Coincidental uh, uh, application there. All right, verse 25. And then here's this doxology. He says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed 
and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. It's a lot. Paul's, Paul's known for his run-on sentences. Nothing like closing the letter in a really long one sentence. But what, here's what I want you to do. If you've, you've got, if you've got a pencil out, underline the word according. Because what he's saying is, he goes, may God strengthen you. And then he lists off three things that should strengthen us. According to. And when he says according to, what's the first one? The preaching of Jesus Christ. Like that's how you're going to be strengthened. By the preaching of Jesus Christ. And we'll go through this. That, that preaching is proclaiming. Okay? That's not some dude standing up here on the stage. It's proclaiming Jesus Christ. You guys can proclaim Jesus Christ at work, wherever, right, in your life, maybe with words, maybe with just actions, okay? So first, he strengthens us according to the preaching and proclaiming of the gospel of Christ. The second one, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages. What is that? That's that God is for humanity. That's the secret, and that, that's the mystery, if you will, that, that Paul is intending to unveil here in Romans, that that it wasn't that God is just for Israel and everybody else is just lost and, you know, we get to pick up the crumbs maybe. And we've seen this as we've walked through this, that Paul's been very clear that throughout all of the Old Testament, God's been looking towards the Gentiles, looking for the day that the Gentiles will also be receiving the gospel. And so he, he's saying here, like, like that, that should be encouraging to us, extremely encouraging to us in here if you're a Gentile if you're a non-Jew, because otherwise you would have been lost. And so we should be strengthened to that, knowing that God is for all of humanity. And then the last one, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. What does God want for us? He wants us to be about his purposes. He wants obedience in faith, not blind obedience. He doesn't want you checking boxes. He's the eternal God, the God that exists outside of time, the God that knows you better than you know you. And how are you going to be strengthened? In obedience. We could say a lot more about that. But I'll just leave it to say, if, if you're living a disobedient life, if you know you're leading a disobedient life, that, that lines right up with those who are naive and being deceived that, hey, it'll be fine. God's got me. Jesus died for me. Don't presume upon his grace. Repent, turn, come into his embrace. Build that relationship with Christ that he wants with you so that you can hate the things he hates, love the things that he loves. And that, you guys, that's, that's why it's good news, because in that we find peace and joy and contentment in this life and eternity with him. And that's what we're going to see as we go through the Torah. So it's going to be great. Uh, verse 27, to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me pray.